Freetopia. Urgently optimistic discussions with experts about the technological risks and opportunities shaping our future. Welcome to Pretopia. Today we are with QJ from Ethereum Community Fund. Joining us from China. Yes. Yeah. And Ed Hesse, um, he is the founder of Energy Web Foundation. We'll hear more about the story. This episode is mostly focused on this new initiative called uh, Sovereign Nature DAO. So Anish is also with us. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we wanted to start uh, with either of you, if you could tell us a little bit about the founding story very briefly of uh, this initiative, and then we could maybe look into the different details. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> founding story, I don't... Uh, uh, I think it was a blog of Trent McGonaghy and some of the projects, Terra Zero, um, and thanks to Trent for connecting us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of ideas, and uh, and I think uh, a third of the literature I was reading uh, in the last two years came from him. Wow. <laughs> so so uh, I mean, up on his advice. So um, <clears throat> you know, once you start to think about the abilities of Nature 2.0, which basically you know describes how can nature interact economically uh, with humanity and you think then further about the possibilities what happens if nature then makes profits and kind of on a, on a base on you know on its own statues that's kind of that kick, kicked off like this whole movement uh, I mean when we just we're just starting so um, there is a lot of projects that went into this direction let's say probably possibly I don't know under different motivations but um, it seems like, you know, from this perspective, they're all moving into the same direction. And that's how the initiative then started. So, yeah. Um, so it, it kind of feels like um, I, when I looked at your background, that you are bringing some of the learnings from the energy markets and, and the way you try to give like a di digital soul or create a digital twin for energy assets for nature. Is that at least part of what's going on here? I mean, I haven't, I haven't thought about it like that. Um, I mean, if, if I would put an, an analogy uh, between these kind of two activities, um, there's like, so the, the energy market is physically decentralizing itself, you know. In the next 10 years, we will see way more investments behind the meter than uh, on, 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 the, on the kind of uh, centralized power plants and so forth. And um, now the difference between kind of these two activities, you know, the centralized power plants and behind the meter is that behind the meter, there is no market access. You know, there is no exchanges whatsoever. So people are investing out of different um, motivations, brings convenience and whatsoever. Um, and so um, what we tried to do with Energy Web is actually unlocking markets there. And um, I mean, we have a very interesting relationship with energy at first we had the fire so we had the energy in our hand that was taken away and now we got it back again so uh, you know now we can be self-sufficient again and uh, but you know the IT infrastructure isn't there and that was kind of the idea behind energy web um, we figured out um, in our research before we launched this um, um, project 
um, how we could actually establish IT infrastructure that could enable a world running on 100% renewables. And it ultimately lead to this kind of direction that, you know, um, small localized markets uh, run by uh, communities and so forth. Yeah. Now, the analogy to nature is, uh, is um, you know, you know, humanity is kind of the status quo on Earth, right? And so it's everything according to our status. Uh, but uh, you know we defined by the statues of the nature. So, and um, so when 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 you read the blog of Trent McConaughey and you see like uh, what would happen, you know, if 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 nature could actually interact economically. I'll give you simple examples. You know, we 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 punishing power plants that pollute the air. Um, they have to pay money, uh, but we're not uh, incentivizing trees to clean the air. But they are cleaning it. You know. Why not, you know, take that and put it there? So, and then the tree makes money, right? So, what what happens then with this? You know, what does the tree then do? And and then, you know, you you know, this kind of opens the box of Pandora, and um, and then at the end, um, you think like, okay, if I'm interested in investing, you know, in, in in kind of you know the classical kind of economic behavior, you want to multiply your money. Now, if you if you see that. Uh, nature becomes profitable, why would you invest into anything else? Yeah? Because then profits basically mean nature is healthy. So, and that's just so appealing, you know, um, that, yeah. Uh, so so I, I was just about to follow up. Uh, so the question here is like, you're kind of describing or trying to describe nature as an economic mechanism which is kind of uh, anthropomorphized way of looking at nature. Nature has, you were showing the video prior to this, has been existing prior to humans and will continue to exist after humans. And we are trying to measure and incentivize the interaction between humans and nature by using economic incentives. Am I right in saying so? Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, behind this whole idea is kind of that the belief that you know nature should have sovereignty or should have at least the same rights as we have if you know and, and, and then you can discuss further down the road if they what is the exact you know relationship between humanity and nature you know um i don't want to even go down that but um so at least the same sovereignty rights as we have and because you know we humanity i have pretty i'm, I'm, I'm very protected by the law um, I can I can protect myself against abuse and so forth. Nature doesn't have that, but there is actually a very um, interesting development around the globe um, for nature gaining rights similar to humans in, in New Zealand, in India, the rivers. Um, there is a, a bunch of associations actually pushing for that. Yeah. And now again, you know, if, if 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 then nature has the same rights, how does it manage itself? So that's uh, where we come to the DAO part of the discussion, right? So I think maybe QJ, we could also uh, chime in, but you're doing this experiment, which is, if I'm not wrong, called the Sovereign Nature DAO. And it's a fork of one of the existing experimental DAOs called Moloch DAO. Uh, how do you um, envision this DAO, you know, allocating funds? Are they are there any plans or you know or, or do you want this to be a test bed for thousands of other DAOs eventually emerging out of it mm, um, thank you for having me didn't get a chance to say that um uh, definitely i th i think um 
um, um, adding on to Ed's point earlier, it is about uh, giving this opportunity to people who can think more about ways to to um, help preserve nature. Um, uh, the, the idea of giving sovereignty back to nature would grant them uh, would grant them the the status that uh, they they should have. And the incentive behind it would give people much more room to think about what else they can do about it. I think the same uh, analogy would be like um, people who are vegetarian would always say that uh, the reason why people don't like vegetables so much is because we put more thoughts into cooking meat better, right? Um, with uh, with such Tao's existence, it uh, raises awareness um, that uh, there are interesting things that can be done about it and then uh, there are m many more profitable ways than just cutting down the trees or making it uh, a habitat for uh, tourism. A and that um, kind of helps um, practically how nature can speak to our language because we speak about survival in economical terms. And, and nature being able to profit humanity back in the same ways would definitely make more aligned interests and then as the re end result that they are preserved better. So that's at least, um, I mean, it, it's a super cool project. It's a, it's a super cool idea that you would like to jump into, but there are a lot of thoughts um, behind it that is with this simple mechanism of a DAO uh, that uh, allows flexibility of coming in and out and then giving these funds together uh, into one pool obviously would attract more talents to kind of um, squeeze your mind about things like this. So, I mean, regarding the DAO, I must honestly say, you know, it was just a practical thing, you know. We, we didn't create this movement, you know, uh, kind of. Um, so I, I in no case want to claim anything that has happened there, you know, but... Um, it has started already, you know, several decades ago. There was novels about these ideas, uh, sci-fi novels, and so forth. And and then just recently, in the last few years, there was projects like Terra Zero and a couple of others. And then um, Primavera, she made the uh, um, uh, Plantoid, and so forth. And this kind of sparked a lot of other researchers. Now we talked to those researchers, and uh, we we tried to figure out is there a space how we can kind of uh, you know accelerate it through you know investments or whatsoever but you know and then we figured out you know more majority of these people are researchers artists isn't it's not a classical startup it's this kind of pre 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 seed thing you know and um, then we had a couple of workshops try to figure out how could we kind of you know how can, how can, can we accelerate that because there was silence for three quarters of a year and it was just too good to you know to oh, was it just a trendy thing or whatsoever and then we came up with all kind of complicated structures you know and at the end uh, uh, we stumbled over uh, uh, I mean Moloch Dao and it was just the simplicity of it because we didn't want it to be an investment fund uh, we and we you know, but at the same time, we weren't also sure should it be a pure grant thing, yeah. And um, so the Molochdorf structure, kind of in legal terms, in the kind of uh, from the German perspective, is something like a Verein. You know, it's like a, something where people join to do a joint hobby, like a football club. You know, and um, and the structure kind of enables you know very very simple interaction and so we thought we don't exactly know what kind of projects will be triggered by this and um, so the minimalistic kind of uh, structure of this could enable further uh, kind of development even of the 
uh, funding structure itself, right? And um, so we proposed this to a couple of um, 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 donors or uh, investors, I don't even know how to call them, you know, um, which are not from crypto space. And uh, they asked then, okay, how can I join? How do I have to vote and so forth? And then it was like, hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you need crypto to join. And so, and then immediately uh, figured out, you know, they won't be able to vote all the time, technically simply, or, um, and so we had to um, um, build in an extension to the code, which is basically delegate voting. And uh, Paul and Max from uh, Terra Zero, they, they were working on this. And then Quantstamp um, uh, did an audit. And, um, and then Quantstamp, when they, when they heard about this project, uh, Richard, the CEO, and Krishna, um, um, they, they actually said, okay, we're actually interested, you know, to, to contribute to this project. So we would, you know, they, they, <laughs> they did the work practically for free. Uh, or against shares in the DAO, yeah, and um, so that's already how the whole project started to develop. Many of the uh, uh, supporters they did free work against uh, future shares. Yeah. Th this is really interesting because I uh, was proposing this to the guys from MetaCarsel DAO, which is another fork of uh, Malok DAO, and they don't have that yet. So you, you you're definitely going to allow people to join and get shares without sending ETH. But like, what's the mechanism for that? If you know, it's, it's that simple. You know, it's that account for the time, how long it takes you, and we take a standard rate uh -huh. um, upon which we all agree, and um, and that was it. So, and then so your contract has the ability to inflate the number of shares. No, I mean the, in the Malotau, you can vote to create more shares, right, right? Right. And you just account them to a specific individual. Got it. I was just thinking, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, and uh, this is definitely a very, very interesting initiative. Uh, the reason I thought I should ask you this is like, if you look at major projects that have massive impact on nature, uh, normally these are mining projects and hydroelectric projects. And what they tend to have behind them is very large economic interest. So m my question would be like, how, how do you think we could scale this up? Because from what I understand from our conversation uh, with you, Ed, uh, it is like the amount that you are currently thinking is probably of a small magnitude. And the projects that probably have a very large impact uh, would be of a slightly bigger magnitude. Have you thought about those? Yeah, I, I would say um, at, at current um, stage, um, the, the DAO we have strikes a very good balance between um, having this thought movement that uh, um, uh, attracts people's attention and uh, raises awareness and having more incentive for people to join without having to worry too much about quitting their job, for example, and not being rewarded. And at certain stage when these ideas mature into um, being a project, not just the pre-pre-pre-A level, then um, both Ed and our organization and then uh, all these uh, um, participants, uh, stakeholders have massive um, network of financial um, resources that could definitely follow up with more mature ideas. So I, I think it would be um, fair to say it's sort of an incubation tank in a way with yeah. resources yeah. Uh, equipped to yeah. it. And, um, and, and at the, this particular stage, it's more 
uh, and uh, a way of brainstorming and, and having all these sparkles about ideas. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, I fully support that. You know, the, the 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 I haven't even thought so far, or none of us has thought so far. The first idea is very simple. It has gone quiet in the space. Can we put something like X Prize there and say? Every researcher that is out there, look, here, we are here to fund more research. So that's why kind of it was also our interest to, to, to have shareholders on board, um, first, which, which share the vision, but secondly, are distributed globally and have impact on, uh, uh, on, on kind of uh, people that can support it. So I hope that QJ is going to present that on every stage in China. And we have some other friends that hopefully Difficult present it on every Florian for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, to present it on every stage in Japan and Korea and all over the world. So that's why we are very interested to have diverse uh, kind of founding kind of shareholders uh, that that distribute um, kind of this idea. And I uh, maybe as I I said it before, but I I really wouldn't like to have this initiative a single face, and that's why we hope to. We hope that some of the shareholders reveal their identity themselves on stage. So um, it will be always kind of the same presentation that is being done by Florian. And uh, hopefully it probably will evolve over time. And the result should be people come to us and say, I have an interesting project. And um, and we would like to look at it and see is it you know does it make sense and so forth between the shareholders and they basically will vote on it yeah so, so uh, and this leads on to what I was thinking and I was thinking after our conversation the other day like right now we have a lot of resources in different parts of the world which has massive impact say the Amazon forest and uh, the people who are there are currently have no mechanisms to interact with the systems of governance. So for example, if you're considering, uh, say, an Am Amazonian native, right? Uh, their language is not even our language. We, we find it a struggle to even communicate, uh, let alone Tao or any of those things. Now, have you, have you thought about how, you know, representation of the p population that's there will ever be on this thing? Or is there something that you're thinking about in the future? Well, I mean, that. Oh, how to answer that? Um, um, so I hope that this could possibly be a project proposal that uh, comes in, yeah. So um, that's why kind of is this minimalistic and the statues are so low from what we do. Sure, we will yeah. definitely put one in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah please, yeah, I, I'd love it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that's why kind of we also don't define it too much and if you read the blog of um, Trent, it's, it's a very broad. Yeah. So we're very curious to see what, what kind of projects appear, yeah. So just to let you know, uh, prior to that, me and Trent had a very long conversation and I had this uh, you know, description of a thing called uh, a, a civilization DAG. So if you were to consider a civilization, you could uh, you know, construct that as a directed acyclic graph. And the, the reason you would have that is, imagine if you want to go to Mars and terraform Mars, effectively what you need to do is run this graph downward so wherever we are, we should reach that level of development. So you could abstract your you know, DAO and you can have a whole bunch of these for each of the different layers that you are interested in and you can have a positive impact on each of them. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That was your I'll, way I'll, of explaining something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell this to my daughter. She's five right now. So maybe, <laughs> she, maybe she can realize it in, in her life. <laughs> but that would be, uh, yeah. <laughs>
we can smile it's fine (laughs) (laughs) so so something that i'm curious about maybe qj from your experience um what kind of projects at like which stage do you expect to approach you so this part could be like a call to action uh, w- what are the expectations? Like, do, do they need to have expertise? And maybe how are you even trying to approach the right people who might not be into crypto, but have the, the right uh, expertise and, and ideas and network to, to contribute to this initiative? Yeah, I think you put, you put it in a very good way of saying it's a call for action kind of uh, uh, initiative. Initiative itself also says about this. Uh, I think at this point, it's very likely that... Uh, uh, the projects, for example, who already have an idea and want to, for example, manufacture prototypes that would approach us with very practical requests of uh, just having something to be uh, built and then test it, uh, that could be one thing. And and also uh, uh, research labs that are just looking into things and they are otherwise not so funded because obviously there's no profit model yet, but they want to see whether something um, would work, even if the result is that it doesn't really work would be a good result to rule out uh, possibilities um, and um, and so so the other participants that we would like to engage are of course people who have been um, um, let's say on one hand crypto people are um, a very good group of people because they understand the mechanism behind and the potential of the technology and uh, it is a lot of even though blockchain itself started out with the um, the idea of more common good uh, as infrastructure uh, in, in a sense of infrastructure but uh, it has been a lot about self-interest um, at least for short term and uh, this initiative itself gives a sense of um, spiritual realization in a way right some to think about something that is above yourself or uh, at least um, that uh, might benefit more generations to come so it is a very great way for um, let's say, uh, filthy rich crypto people to <laughs> get some redemption. On the other hand, there are so many organizations that are trying to tackle the, uh, the issue of giving nature more of its own right that cannot um, use the current technology or the, the current political means or even with just wealth to solve these issues um, or have the hope of solving them um, in a more sustainable way. And, and this, uh, the technology of combining, for example, AI and blockchain definitely give more hope to them that, uh, um, that um, would uh, definitely give them like all this curiosity about whether or not they should try this new thing. And being a part of it and incentivizing some of the technology being actualized is, uh, is something that I don't think they would um, miss, right? They, they, yeah. they cannot afford to miss. So we, we you know, the, uh, because this is so abstract, the, the kind of the, 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 the structure, <clears throat> so what we did is um, uh, we organized um, uh, an art exhibition, so it was done by Paul and Max, uh, at the Event Horizon a few months ago, right after the presentation of Florian, and um, so that people could actually touch what it meant. Um, I think we had six or eight exponents there, and there was flowers which created electricity. You could charge your mobile phone. Uh, there was actually uh, grass that was feeding uh, an Ethereum miner. So the uh, uh, yes. crypto was mined through the electricity of, of, of um, <laughs> soil and, and, and grass, right? So, um, and... <clears throat> 
so there is that there, there has been already a couple of projects and um and we already actually have a couple of projects that are preparing to apply so um, an example is there is a russian couple um in mosque in moscow and they um, they build flower pots that um, can basically extract uh, electricity from flowers and um we have another framework at, at the Energy Web Foundation that we built with a couple of uh, affiliates that basically has connected uh, the EV in charging infrastructure, um, part of the German EV charging infrastructure, to the blockchain. Uh, now imagine these flowers selling into this, and uh, there might be in you know an emotional aspect to pay may, way more for getting electricity from flowers, right? And so the just, way, I, yeah. Just to finalize, so another aspect was then uh, why not making them self-owning and putting in a park? And then the question immediately appears: like, what to do with the profits? Buy more flowers and so forth. And um, and then at the end, if you look at this whole picture, Wall Street. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if you look at the end of this whole picture, it's like, oh my God, this could be a tool for cities to green themselves without putting a cent on the table. You know. Imagine all the parks in the city owning themselves and, and people that use them for recreational purposes and so forth are actually paying for it, you know? Um, yeah. No, I, I was just about to ask this. It's like literally what you're kind of describing is like uh, somehow capturing the delayed gratification that people have and, you know, kind of nudging them to actually behave in the right order. So if you want a flower or whatever you want, and like if you need to do that, you need to do something ahead of it. So if you have to get a flower, you need to you know, put a plant down, pour some water, let it allow it to grow, and only then you can get it, right? But you want instant gratification, and that's one of the huge challenges we have. And the, the narrative I get from what you're describing seems like you are trying to nudge people towards delayed gratification, offering them incentives, and that could be transferred across to nature. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I forgot my point. <laughs> <laughs> now is the time to beat them. <laughs> no, I mean, Terra Zero, they made a couple of projects. So they had also this flower project. Do you remember this project? Where uh, I forgot the name of this project. Where was it in? And then they basically had a bunch of flowers and you could buy them. It was a... Uh, oh, it NFT was a, thingy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think one flower that was... That was when NFTs were hot. Yeah, yeah. I think one flower was bought for one ether. Ooh. Wow. And all the flowers died afterwards, right? So, okay. <laughs> so, so um, Anish tried to describe it from his perspective, reframing the narrative. But I thought um, you, you mentioned this point about uh, cities being able to green themselves without putting a cent in there. So what we're trying to do basically is to uh, give nature a way to own itself and, and financially without relying on you know existing financial infrastructures but where is the business plan so it's a great idea for nature to own itself but i'm thinking has no one thought about this already to do it in a non-blockchainy way for example like a, a forest that are you aware of any existing cases where forests for example own themselves or at least are they're a part of a foundation that that uh, uh, governs their rights. No, of, uh, I think that the, you know there is a substantial differentiation between kind of um, um, just managing land, you know, on 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 your status, 
but of course there's a, a lot of kind of organization that look very much after the uh, status let's say of the nature right so kind of look at uh, conservation international all their work and there is many of these organizations around the globe right um, but um, and then so on the one side we hope to collect a list of tools you know that the governance could be done um, let's say it could be even automated you know and there is and possibly and this is kind of one of my biggest hopes is discover completely new tools that those organizations haven't found yet you know, of, of monetization so that um, nature could possibly become profitable yeah so that we get this tipping point right I had a, a interesting thought I just thought I should bring it to you see one of the challenges we are having with nature is we are losing biodiversity uh, a lot of genome that's there is disappearing and we don't know the value of that genome at this moment in time and I was just thinking like couldn't this be a very interesting way to actually incentivize people for preservation of uh, you know future of genome biodiversity I think you know I mean humanity has proven to be very efficient in extracting value from nature right <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, so no, no 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 the only difference that we would like to happen is actually you know uh, not extracting this value not to have a lose-win situation but have a win-win situation and then you know let's see what's going to happen you know i think we're going to survive only when they so when nature survives right so they sh if they become profitable we become kind of uh, not only kind of in the uh, how to say monetary terms profitable uh, but so the, in literally the, the the basic assumption here is nature is a non-zero sum game and if we have a win-win uh, we could actually have nature winning that and that inherently driving everybody else that lives in this planet uh, win. And effectively, you, you are thinking that if the Earth were to survive, it, it definitely requires nature to survive. And the whole of this climate initiative indirectly should be supporting you guys. Exactly. I mean, not us. It's, 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 we should trigger all the brains out there to come up with these ideas. That's, that's the thing that we want to achieve. Yeah. You just triggered my beautiful brain to come up with an idea. No, so I was thinking, uh, normally uh, organizations or for-profit organizations, they're formed in a way that they capture the value they create. Let's say it's even a tree. But if we structure it in a way that it has to make money for itself, it could probably lead to a not-so-great situation where you have like nature fighting for monopoly over land. But uh, what if, uh, I, I'm just uh, thinking about this idea out loud, that uh, you create these DAOs that if, if they're kind of bound by physical geography, they give some of their income to somewhere else completely uh, on the planet and they, they have their offspring elsewhere instead of uh, right there where they are. Absolutely. Um, I think that was one of Trent's idea actually but put another universal basic income down if nature makes profits and um, why does could it possibly feed the profits into our basic income and it could be things that are not even planting trees like uh, literally anything that doesn't involve fucking up with nature destroying more of it yeah is is great yeah definitely uh, uh, basically not fucking up our playground yeah right right yeah so um 
you know, it, it's a very sensitive topic because once you go deeper, you know, you come to this very difficult question, who stands above whom, humanity about nature and so forth. So I don't want to go even deep into that because I believe, um, so f for me, it would be rather interesting to trigger this discussion by someone else who is way more intelligent and, and, and educated in this field. Yeah. I was about to ask you that thing alone. It's like literally, you're opening the can of worms of ethics. Like, who who is most important? Uh, whether it's humans or other other species. So the world has been anthropomorphized, and everything that we currently have is viewed uh, in the eyes of a human. And uh, what our current structure that's being proposed is again uh, something we as humans are proposing. Do you think it is possible that there exists uh, such a mechanism that's, you know, better? That could probably be more, you know, non-human focused. That that could be, you know, discovered. I know it's a tough one to ask. Mm, difficult to answer, QJ. What would you say? Um, I'm gonna be practical here. Um, it is exactly how it's like uh, in in the Julia Roberts voiceover um, video about we'll nature. Um, from the um, that we just shared today, and um, it um, nature would survive regardless. The reason why we are discussing over this, we are trying to trigger uh, more intelligent minds and your beautiful mind, <laughs> is exactly because it uh, concerns about us, and um, uh, we realize if if humans are allowed to do whatever they want, at the end of the day, we won't be able to survive. So we should kind of lawyer up. On behalf of nature, sort it's of defenseless like, for for the moment. It's already happening, and it, it so is. It, it it has to increase. Giving them personhood. Way more, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, my perspective on this is a bit kind of, um, for me, you know, there's always you know in startup world, what is the problem you try to solve? And for me, kind of, kind of in my terms, but I also copied it from someone else, from actually my father-in-law. <laughs> He said, the biggest problem on earth is my problem my problem right and um, when we when we stumbled over these ideas of nature 2.0 uh, as Kuja said before you know it somehow gave hope yeah? and now the question is you know is there a bridge uh, you know could we trigger something here uh, research into a specific direction that we can maybe abstract this biggest problem of the world the my problem into something else yeah. Maybe we could make this our problem, you know, is the biggest problem of the world, not mine. So let's see. Yeah. Can you be more concrete, actually? It's still... The biggest problem of the world is my problem. Uh -huh. I have a problem. That's why I don't have time to listen to you, to your problem. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's the ego in everyone. So I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, asking this question about, uh, have you come across Dan O'Reilly? Sorry? Dan O'Reilly. No, no. So he's one of those behavioral economists, and he, he actually describes the problem you just, just described. Oh, Dan yes. So uh, he, he literally, you know, uh, 
as a behavioral economist, uh, you know, uses this tool to describe. So uh, we as humans only really care about things we can see uh, directly and we, we are involved directly. And literally the problem that we are kind of discussing is like abstracted away from us and like it's in far away from us. We are not directly impacted. And what you're referring to is like, how can he actually be involved in every decision and we are directly uh, impacted or we see the difference? Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I feel embarrassed because I didn't know him. And so it's but like... But see, great minds think Yeah, alike. that's why. Uh, can these people please come out again? And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be my ignorance limiting this project, right? I think so far, we also want to uh, wrap it up around 45 minutes so it can be easily consumable for people who listen on 2x speed. Mm. And uh, <laughs> so we're a 20 minute podcast, but we're 40 minutes. Um, have you faced any resistance? So, so uh, I mean, we already have forests and they're owned by governments, by nation states. It could be foundations. Uh, how do you or how are you thinking about dealing with them? Have you approached any of them and what do they those guys think? No, I haven't. I mean, uh, quite the opposite. Uh, ev everyone who would tell the story and these possibilities was, uh, I think there is kind of a 90% hit rate that the people are about to join. <laughs> talking. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm more worried about is, you know, when you see kind of the Amazon not burning, it's like, um, uh, are we maybe too late? Can we, you know, can, can, how can we trigger something more practical there, you know, that... that that can avoid such situations, yeah. And uh, there's this issue of, uh, you know, th th those people, poor people in Brazil, uh, we can't expect them to forego economic opportunities just for us in Europe to breathe nice, cool air. Uh, so I, I think one of the most uh, important efforts that guys like you and people, beautiful minds who joined the DAO, should look into is to how to connect the entire uh, global supply chain of you know things that involve cutting down trees in a way for those people who don't cut down the trees to profit from that it could be i don't know maybe through carbon offset tax but these are the ideas that feels like they're blockchain or blockchainable <coughs> interesting that you you know you, you talk about i think the original idea of this kind of personalization of nature and animals uh, is actually coming from indigenous people and um, you could have seen you know how they live how they spend their lives how they respected it um, you know the results of that they definitely lived way healthier than we do yeah I think they, they were called animist yeah. yeah yeah so those those tribes they I mean there was this point of time many shady things happen as a result of monotheist religions, Abrahamic religions, and one of them was this, that we stopped respecting nature, forces of nature. Before they were gods, now they're just our servants. They're just there for us because fuck you, we're humans, we're smarter. So I think we need to go back to, to, to our roots. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, at, I mean, if I think like about the, the, you know, burning down the forest situation, down there they only do it for one purpose it's profit right so monoculture because there is something else that they can make more money with so right. that's why please can we create a tool that makes the forage as it is right now more profitable than the other thing that they want to uh, put there 
So, you know, when you were talking about burning down forests, uh, I've spent a bit of time looking at what has actually been happening in Amazon. And the, the actors that actually burn the forest down are the people who have very low resources at their disposal. Uh, maybe what we are missing is this ability to interact with them directly because the, the threshold, most of them don't have a source of life, meaning as in like earn a living. And uh, they are being used as tools by large organizations with lots of resources to do things that are uh, orthogonal to the existence of everybody in nature, right? So do you think it is possible for us to actually be, you know, as a project like, you know, incentivize people uh, who just want to earn a living, an opportunity to earn a living by doing the right thing straight away? Could be part of the in income stream, no? Of a yeah. forest. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like you guys have so many interesting ideas that you should definitely be part of it. Thank you, thank you. Really? Yeah. I, and um, I, I wanted to um, ask about the future plans. Are you thinking about maybe what should come out of this? Like uh, one year into the future, uh, what is the best case scenario? Do you want to see a couple of for-profits uh, impact funds, like, like VC funds, but not investing in shitty things or stupid stuff? Uh, which is everything that's not investing in nature. No, I haven't thought about this. Um, uh, for me, kind of the best outcome, um, as far as I'm thinking, but it's only me, so the other shareholders possibly, or participants, activists, possibly have other opinions, um, is to be as loud as possible once it's out there and that there is a signal effect um, to all the brains, please come up with something. So uh, the ideal outcome for me would be that we have tons of project proposals by the end of the year. I have another crazy idea for you. Uh, this time, look, there are lots of funds that are out there. Uh, given Nima was mentioning funds, I just thought about this. They make a claim that they have impact on the investment. As in like they have a measure of the investment based on impact they have. I mean, you could actually, you know, create this voting mechanism and, you know, give a feedback to these people and nudge them to in, in, invest the right set of projects, the projects that would have the most impact for nature. Yeah, there was actually a similar um, a kind of development uh, from the Odyssey Hackathon into this bear chain. They want to, they want a project um, that 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 went exactly into this direction. That could be definitely a very interesting uh, uh, proposal. Yeah. Yeah, this podcast is becoming a think tank, live think tank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another uh, blog post, I was uh, brainstorming with a guy called Eric Arsenault. He's, he's very active in the DAO space. And we thought, uh, what if there was a way to s for you know impact investors or claimed impact investors to self-tax themselves if they don't reach their KPIs? So imagine you, you make profits, but because your investments are not aligned with your you know values it could be you know funds that want to invest in nature positive or planet positive causes they, they make the profit but then they have to send the money automatically to your DAO things like that oh, like a tax yeah. <laughs> <coughs> sure <laughs> I wouldn't say no to that you know but I, I think it would I, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, again, only me. I'm not necessarily a big fan of kind of punishing uh, or uh, 
triggering change through punishment or something like this. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'd rather prefer kind of, I don't know if this is right, the, Swedi the Swedish style is, you know, uh -huh. incentivizing uh, uh -huh. uh, to do something g good. Um, so um, it could be incentive for them to see the fruits, actually, you know, and therefore the fruits of this initiative will be projects, a list of tools, you know, this will be the fruits, mm -hmm. which potentially lead to something like you said, Anish, which is... Uh, a dashboard, you know, where you trace, where you see real-time data, uh, what's happening there, what the, what these tools are enabling, right? So this could be the incentives to uh, people uh, to further contribute to this uh, movement. Got it. Beautiful. So any final words from both of you? Yeah, I'm curious about your other uh, podcast uh, to hear from uh, Ryan, Zura, and Amin about mm -hmm. their next plans. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot for uh, setting this up as... Yeah. Yeah. Th thanks a lot. Uh, we are very happy to talk about this project because uh, it's uh, very much about awareness and then having all these minds coming together to figure out new things. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your Twitter handles for people who are too lazy to look at the show notes. Oh, um, uh, Twitter is QJ. If you're active. ECF. Yeah. Or uh, better, it would be Ethereum ECF. Um, would be our organization's um, mm -hmm. handle. Yeah. And Ed is? Um, I'm just looking. Uh, <laughs> 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 it, it had 79 in it. Yeah, that was the year I was born in. So uh, so the Sovereign Nature Initiative is at S and Nature, S Nature Dow. And my personal one is Ed Hesse 79. Okay, okay. And we are Pretopia. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening to this episode. We'll keep you posted. Uh, we'll add all the links and uh, see you in the next episode. Pretopia.fm <laughs>